Wow, okay, so remind me to never, ever, ever ask for your feedback on anything again because you just floored me with this one. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates. I made the mistake yesterday of soliciting your replies to my question, why don't you like Mason Rudolph? And straying from my own norm here, I was focusing more on why it seemed that Steelers fans don't like Mason as opposed to why they don't like him as QB1 or QB2. It seemed to me that it was more personal than anything. Well, here is what I can tell you 500 plus comments later between our website, DK Pittsburgh Sports, YouTube, and other places where they offer comments. Some of them came into my email inbox. I don't even know how people found that. I don't think it's posted anywhere. But they came in great bulk and sometimes with a lot of words. And the general message, and I feel very safe summarizing it this way, is that you have no problem with the guy personally. So I'll start this episode by saying right here that I was wrong. My premise was wrong. You'll find the more you listen to these daily shots that I do and to my writing, I have no issue saying whenever I'm off. That's why I asked to get your feedback. I mean, there were a couple of <laughs> there were a couple of wackos. <laughs> and I don't feel uh it, it would be out of line to call out my man Jason Ward, who put on our site that Pittsburghers have a hard time with Mason because he was hit on the head with a helmet by Cleveland Brown and Pittsburghers took that as a sign of weakness. I honestly don't know if he's being serious or not. Either way, it was a classic response. So no, people don't dislike Mason. So at least we're on the same page there. I, I didn't see what anybody would have taken issue with with him as a person up to and including whatever anyone's perception is of his relationship with Ben Roethlisberger. He has conducted himself, Mason has, as a professional. He has exhibited Pittsburgh-level toughness. Over the course of that 2019 season, he showed as much cojones as you've seen from any quarterback wearing that uniform with what he had to go through, overcome, and then even at the end, in the final game he was playing, his shoulder ends up getting ripped up. In front of cameras and otherwise, he's been the model out of what you'd want from an NFL quarterback, whether he was starting or whether he was backing up a first ballot Hall of Famer. Feels like we're right there on that subject. And now, 
about the stuff that you actually wrote about. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Here are three comments that I felt were representative from the YouTube platform where we share our podcast. Brighton Barnes said, it's simple. It's his play. If you flip the script and he plays well, the fans would love the guy. Jennifer Holiday said, He's had numerous opportunities to prove himself and his playing abilities, and none of them show that he's a guy who can be a starter and a leader. He's just one of those guys who's just a backup QB. Jay comes in with, he's Landry Jones all over again. People love to point at his record, but he was the QB when the defense was playing possessed and stopping other teams from scoring. If you take away the defensive points that happened while he was at quarterback, he was averaging like three to nine points in those games. Nick says, no bias for me. I want him to do well. I just don't have any hope of that happening based on what I've seen. And here's one from Rocco that at least hinted at a personality thing. Mason conducts himself on the field without confidence. He's indecisive. He makes bad reads. He doesn't have the it factor. You have to be kind of a blank to be a great quarterback, and he's too passive in his game and as a leader. And before I get to others, I, I feel like I want to jump in on some of the leader stuff and some of the hesitation stuff based only on my own observations. Mason has no issue walking onto a football field, whether it's practice or games, and barking out orders in a huddle. Every player who's been in that huddle with Mason, who I've asked about that, it's actually a longer list than you might think, will swear by that. I trust them a lot more than I would trust anyone's outside perceptions, including my own. They say this kid takes charge when he's out there. That, to me, is a leader. The happy feet is different. If you had talked to me about his happy feet about a year ago, I would have been completely on board with you. I thought it was a real turnoff to the approach of what really should be a drop-back quarterback. But that was gone this year. My friends, that was gone. That narrative's got to die along with the reality. Go back and look at the preseason games. Look at the one game he had a chance to play in, bad weather and everything else, against the Lions, you won't see it. You won't see it. And I can tell you from someone who watches practices and watched him in training camp, it's really gone. To his credit, Mason and Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, made this an emphasis. Not because he was worried about the perception or how it might come across, but because it doesn't help him. It doesn't help him. Okay, on to another handful. These are from our site at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Billy says, I don't dislike Mason. I'm just hesitant about his ability to be a multi-year QB1. I'm open to proof being wrong. My guess, he's a quality long-term backup. Dana says, I think Rudolph's good enough to lead the team for a while. If you throw out the years on the bench and his field experience, and think about it, it's still 
pretty much rookie level, and he actually didn't do too bad. Rich says, I just feel like he never sees the moment. At times, he's looked okay, and other times, not so much. I would expect more from a first-round grade guy by now. He looks not like a leader, but scared. Here's the leader thing again here, and scared and the happy feet. I just don't think... I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I'll get back to these. It's, I just don't think, in general, we, any of us, has seen enough of this guy to make any kind of pronouncement or declaration. And I don't need to go back to it took Terry Bradshaw four years to figure it out. You don't need to go back 50 years, for example. This is everywhere. Does anyone at all remember how Ben Roethlisberger performed in his first Super Bowl? Do you? Do you really? Or is it just, yay, Ben won the Super Bowl? It was one of his lesser achievements in his career. The team carried him across the goal line. These things take time. They take experience. Mason hasn't really had any. Another one from our site. Actually, you know what? I'm going to end with this one. Because uh, I'm just looking ahead here and reading it. And I have a feeling this is it. This this is the one that defines the overall feeling. It comes from Carl, and this is it. This is the whole thing verbatim. I think the answer to your question lies in that Rudolph doesn't provide the hope, fair or otherwise, of being a franchise quarterback. We've seen him play. He hasn't looked like the guy. In contrast, Everyone we haven't seen provides at least the possibility of being the next Ben or Patrick Mahomes. Fandom is ultimately about hope. Following sports is about hope. If you're following a team or multiple teams, you're doing so because you have hope. It might not be for that year, but you have hope ultimately that that team will succeed or that individual of whom you're a fan will succeed. If you don't have hope, you don't invest. If you don't invest, you check out. Sometimes you might even manufacture reasons to check out, but you check out. Pittsburgh has mostly checked out on Mason. I think that's a fair assumption to make out of all of this. When we come back, just one question. Chris Reisinger asks, DK, what's taking so long on news for the Steelers offensive line coach? No word of interviews or prospective candidates. Uh, Chris, with coordinators and with head coaches and with GMs, you're going to see more transparency from NFL teams than you will see in any other hiring process, arguably in any walk of life, in large part because of the Rooney rule. Teams want it to be known who's being brought in. So they'll put it out on Twitter. They put their headshots out, their bios. They say, hey, so-and-so is in town for an interview. And like, if you have a reaction to that, like, wow, that's really weird. 
so do I. And I don't think it's going to go away for a while either. But that's why it's happening. That does not happen. In fact, if it's happened anywhere, I'm not aware of it, with positional coaches. Uh, Positional coaches are going to be interviewed however it is that they'd be interviewed. It's not going to be something that gets made public. You're going to have one day where you just get a release from the Steelers that says, hey, we've hired an offensive line coach. Now, if you're having a very good day, that release will say Mike Munchak returns as Steelers offensive line coach. In my hope of hopes, going back to how I finished the first segment, the Steelers deliberately cast off Chris Morgan, deliberately told him, no, 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 go ahead, talk to whoever you want to talk to. Hey, listen, Chris, it's the Bears on the phone. Might want to take this call. Because they knew they'd have a chance at bringing back Munchak. Now, there's all kinds of narratives tied to this, too. Well, Munchak would never leave Denver because he went out there for a reason, for family reasons. There's always a way. I feel obligated to repeat that this coach, this extraordinary coach, merits the Steelers from Art Rooney on down going all out to get him. There is no salary cap. For coaches, can't say that often enough. You can pay them whatever you want. Yeah, you've got your own scale in the house, but I have no problem with everyone on the staff, including the coordinators, knowing that Mike Munchak's making more than they are. No issue at all. Achieve something in your life that's approximate to what Munchak has. Can Matt Canada say that? No. Can Terrell Austin say that? No. Okay, fine. Sit down. Sit down. We're giving Munchak the money he wants. Oh, by the way, if titles are an issue, he's also the assistant head coach, which would not be without precedent. John Mitchell had that title while he was the defensive line coach, although not a lot of people knew that. Three words. Bring back Munch. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Never again! We are never doing this again!